Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Athlete Radio. This is Matt Frazier, and uh, I'm here with the fifth episode of the No Meat Athlete podcast. I know it's been a while since we last did one, uh, probably six months or more uh, since then. But, um, you know, we had, had a few changes, and uh, we're going to give it another try. So today I'm here with Doug Hay, who writes the blog RockCreekRunner.com. And uh, Doug is the newest member of the No Meat Athlete team as well. So, Doug, why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself to everybody? Sure. Yeah. So, hi. My name is Doug Hay, and um, yeah, like Matt said, I I blog over at RockCreekRunner.com, but I'm also um, helping out a little bit with No Meat Athlete. You might have read a few of uh, my posts over the past couple months. Um, most recent one was uh, about the the new Subway sandwiches, the vegan Subway sandwiches. So, um, yeah, you'll hear from me a little more in the next couple months uh, with some product reviews on the on the blog, and um, I'm really excited to be here with uh, No Meat Athlete Radio. Yeah, and just so everyone knows, Doug uh, was was a big part of our uh, DC Rock and Roll race. He was the guy who was in DC and and figured out you know a lot of the logistics for us and hooked up some of the uh, the restaurant stuff and the bagels and all that kind of stuff. So he was crucial to that. Uh, Doug is also a marathoner and recently did his first 50 mile run he did uh, the same one that was my first the yeah. north face endurance challenge in dc and did pretty well right doug yeah yeah that uh that went pretty well i was um i was back in june and um came off my uh, came off the training from the rock and roll half marathon with uh with nomi athlete and just kept ramping up the mileage and it went pretty well i finished uh, a little over seven hours and felt pretty good about it yeah good all right so um Let's talk a little bit about this podcast. Um, those people who have been listening for a while probably remember it. We did, uh, I think, four episodes back in the beginning of the year. Uh, I think maybe even at the end of last year. Um, back then, we were trying to do one every week at first, we said, and then maybe once every two weeks. And very quickly realized that that was just too ambitious. That, um, you know, I can I can write a post or two every week, but, but to actually do one of these things and think of a topic and maybe come with a guest and then record it and edit it then write the post to get it up it just became more than i could handle in you know once a week or anything so for this we are gonna um just be you know cautiously say we're gonna do one a month or so and because it'll just be once a month it'll probably be a little bit longer and uh what i really want to do different this time is to to engage readers a lot more so either through the blog post or through facebook which is what we did this time um, we want to get your questions about certain things, whatever our topic of the month is. Uh, and in some cases, we'll want to get your tips, too. So maybe we'll share a few reader tips from online. And then, Doug, we're going to do something where they can they can even call in and, and like kind of do a little recorded question if they want, right? Yeah, that's right. So we want to engage uh, the listeners as much as possible. So, um, you know, when we ask for questions on, on Facebook, if you want to just write it in there uh, on Facebook, then that's great. But... Um, we are also going to have a uh, telephone hotline that you can kind of call in and leave a message. Uh, don't worry, Matt or I will not be answering the phone. Um, so you can just call in. It'll uh, ask you to leave a message. We, we're hoping you can just uh, say your name, where you're from, and uh, either 
give us the tip or ask the question, and we will air that. We'll play that on the on the next podcast um, so people can hear you, and we can kind of engage with you a little bit more. Excellent. That'll be fun. I hope, hope people actually do that. Yeah, me too. So we're going to provide the number kind of at the bottom of the post, but um, I'll also say it in case you're just listening. It's 707-786-3429. All right. And you can call that anytime. <laughs> it feels like we're doing like an infomercial or something. Yeah, I think we are. <laughs> All right. So um, before we get into the topic today, uh, we just figured we'd really quickly kind of bring you up to speed on just what we're up to. Um the big thing on my mind right now is the Blue Ridge Relay, which I have in only three days from now or so. Um, wow. Yeah, it starts on Friday, and what happens is, you know, me and six people, or six people and I, no, five others and I, uh, go up to the North Carolina-Virginia border and then run down into Asheville, which is where I live. It's 200 miles total, um, so split among six guys. It's, uh, it's something like 35 miles per person. And, uh, you know, we rent a van and go through the night and, and, uh, anyone who's done one of those Ragnars knows how these work. It's not a Ragnar, but it's very similar in style. So I'm a little nervous about that. Um, just because I'm not really in ultra marathon shape. Like if you told me to run a 50 K right now, I'd, I'd struggle to do that for sure. So I don't know. The fact that it's broken up into six legs for me is, uh, somewhat helpful. Cause I mean, you, we take turns. So it's one, one person goes once, maybe runs for about an hour. Uh, and then, you know, so on down the line, and then you repeat over and over, I think six times or so. Yeah, so do you have set distances that each person runs, or can you kind of tap out whenever whenever you're feeling no, tired? No, they're, they're set, and they're not all equal. Like, like my second leg is, is 10 miles, and it's fairly hilly, but then later in the race I have only a, a four-mile leg that's mostly downhill. So they're they're very mixed difficulties and distances, but, but the runners have to stay in the exact same order and have to do their assigned legs. Hmm. And uh, any idea how long it's going to take you guys? It sounded like the team was estimating something like 26 or 28 hours or something like that. Um, I, I don't really know. I mean, I, I can't imagine running more than, any faster than about a 10-minute pace for this, but yeah, uh, I don't know. It should be fun. I mean, I'm sure it'll be good memories, but probably terrible while we're actually doing it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll, it'll be great. Just uh, you know, hopefully you can take some naps and drink yeah. plenty, of, uh, plenty of coffee if you need to. Right. So that's what I'm doing. Um, not too much else besides that, really. I mean, as far as running goes, that's kind of the only thing on my plate right now. But hoping to uh, to do something really long in the spring, I hope. How about you? What are you doing, Doug? What kind of runs? Yeah, so um, kind of uh, around the same time that, that you did, I, I was inspired partly because of you and, and some other things to uh, take up a run streak, a daily run. Um, and I'm in... Stick, staying to that, I'm on day 83 right now, which is pretty great. Wow. Um, so uh, my minimum is that I have to run at least a mile and a half. Um, for the most part, it's it's been a lot more than that. But um, on certain days when life gets in the way, um, it's been it's been just a mile and a half. And um, and yeah, it's going really well. It's been easier and easier uh, every day. It you know it's kind of formed into a habit, you know, like you've talked a lot about on the blog recently, and um, and uh, it's it's great, yeah, and I'm, I'm hoping to um, kind of build up the base as much as possible so that um, any future trainings for future ultras and stuff, uh, you know, these daily runs will kind of uh, form my base as a good launching point for me. 
Yeah, that's exactly the same kind of philosophy that I had, the same hope that I had when I was doing that. And by the way, I am not still running every day. I stopped at, uh, I don't remember the exact number, but it was like 70 or so. And it wasn't for any reason. I just kind of felt like, I felt like at that point, it, it's, it had served me up to that point, the streak. Like, it had made me run when I didn't really feel like it. Um, but I got to the point where, I don't know, in some way I just didn't want to, and I would like, I don't know, I just felt like I wanted a break from running for, for a day and a day and sure. two days. So, finally did stop, but I'm, I'm really glad I did that, and I, I plan to do another one for sure at some point. Um, but like you said, it, I felt like it, it has really given me a great base that I've not had before, um, because I was doing fairly easy runs the whole time, and I felt like I never before had the patience to just do easy runs uh, every day for for a long time, and it, it is, I think it has benefited me, benefited me a lot. Yeah, definitely, and you know, this is the, since I first started, uh, since I ran my first marathon back uh, four years ago now, uh, I've never finished a big race without having another goal um, already set, so been registered for another run, and um, and after the 50 back in June, uh, I never registered for anything else. So this is kind of, um, it's given me more focus, uh, or it's kept me focused on the run, I guess, a little bit. And um, and this is also a, a big year for me uh, in my life. I'm getting married at the end of the year, and uh, or next year. Um, and I uh, kind of wanted this daily kind of uh, pilgrimage uh, to, <laughs> <laughs> to kind of... Uh, opportunity to really work through things throughout the year and and i don't know it's just uh it's been really neat these slow runs and um yeah it's fun well, i would good. recommend that everybody kind of uh if you have the chance or any of the the drive to do it, it's a good way to um focus your running without without actually training for something in particular yeah that's a good that's a really good point uh, just that i don't know because sometimes it does get i i get the same thing if i'm not focused if i don't have a race that's coming up um I'm not very good at getting out there, so it's it's a nice alternative to having a race, but you know something that still gives you a reason of focus um, that you have to have to keep running for. So, yeah, good point. Exactly. All right, so let's um, let's get into the topic, and our topic in this particular episode is uh, is ramping up the mileage because we're as we're getting into the fall now. This is big race season, so a lot of people are probably you know approaching the final six, maybe eight, ten weeks of their training program, and it's where if it's your first marathon or first half marathon, uh, the miles really start to become somewhat intimidating. I mean, you see that you're, maybe last month you had you had never run more than 12 miles, and by the end of this month you're going to be hitting 18s and 20s, so um, and, you know, that, that's a big big distance, I mean, a lot of distance if you've never done it before, and even if you have, it's it's a lot to do, to go out and run 18 miles, so um, there are a lot of, a lot of considerations to make, you know, with food, hydration, pacing, and all those things. So we're going to hit on those, and we're going to try to do it um, mainly through through questions people submitted on Facebook, because we asked about that a, a couple weeks ago, and people wrote some questions. So we're going to try to answer those, and then just kind of go from there and throw in some some uh, some of our advice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'd also just kind of like to mention that um, even if you're training for a half marathon, this uh, really applies to you as well, because... Um, you know, for a lot of people, that eight-mile number is uh, is just as terrifying as a 16 might be for somebody training for a marathon. So. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, really, there even though a marathon is twice as long as a half, um, if it's your first time doing doing either one, the experience is is very much the same. Like if you've run a half before, and now you're training for a full, that experience is kind of filled with the same emotions as training for that first half was. I mean, it's the same. You know, it feels the same that that 
you're stretching your mileage now to a point you haven't done. And uh, there are a lot of parallels, really. And even the way you break the race up mentally, that I, I do at least, um, there are, you know, they, they correspond almost exactly to each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So um, let's see. What's our first question here, Doug? Yeah, so our first question uh, to get us started here is from, from Brett Monk, who uh, uh, writes over at the, the Sacred Trainer. Um, and he has the question that you, I'm sure you get all the time, uh, especially when when someone's kind of taking their training to the next level, um, be it in running or anything else, is just simply how do you get enough protein? How, you know, if you're if you're running more, if you're working out more, how do you get enough protein? Okay, yeah, I mean certainly that's one that we all get all the time. Um, and but we should mention really quick these questions that we're answering. Some of these are not exactly like you know the protein question applies to many things beyond just increasing your mileage in training for a race. Um, so, I mean, these are kind of general, but but some will be more specific, more focused on that exact thing. But anyway, um, so what Brett wanted to know was not just how do you get enough, but but he wants to know how much really do you do you recommend because he, he's getting people asking him, um, like he's a trainer, and he gets people asking him how much should you be getting. Um, so the, the answer to that is that it depends on a lot of factors. I mean, I personally don't don't follow any particular numbers. I, I do sort of try to get between 10 and 15 percent of my calories to come from protein, uh, but that's not something that I that I look at every single day or even every week or month. It's just you know every once in a while I'll look back at my diet and figure out how many calories I'm eating and how many of those calories are coming from protein. And uh, as long as it's somewhere near there, I'm I'm pretty happy. It's not not a big concern for me. Um, I found that by just getting a little bit throughout the day, making sure that if I eat five total meals or snacks throughout the day, um, making sure that none of those meals is just a plate of spaghetti with nothing else on it. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't want to fall into that just eating all carbohydrates like some vegetarians, vegans do. Um, so I just make sure that if I'm eating spaghetti, I'll make sure there's some, you know, some sort of beans in the sauce or, or whatever, putting almond butter on on a bagel, not just eating a bagel. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's not, I don't do a lot of the number things, but I mean, there are numbers you can follow and I believe it's something, I think it's about 0.5 to 0.6 grams per pound of body weight should be your daily protein intake. Um, and, and that will generally get you pretty close to that, that range that I mentioned, 10 to 15% of your total calories. So for example, if you're 150 pounds, you'd be shooting for around 75 to 85 grams of protein per day. Which is, I think, is a little bit higher than I generally get, but um, that's, you know, that's probably a number that's maybe for athletes, so it's a little bit higher than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, who knows? I, I don't know that I even believe that athletes need more protein as a percentage. I mean, I, I tend to. I have a friend named Matt Rusigno, who's he's a vegan registered dietitian, and he helped out uh, Isa Chandra Moskowitz on one of her books. And uh, he says that you know, athletes need more protein, but they need all they need more of all the calories. So Right. The percentage actually can just stay the same. I mean, you eat more calories, and yes, you're getting more protein, but you're not getting any more protein compared to the other nutrients. Right, exactly. Yeah, and you wrote, uh, just a few months ago, you wrote a great post on that, uh, Protein for Vegetarians, um, and, you know, you kind of break down the calculations there, and, uh, and that's, I know I've I've referenced that a few times uh, in the past couple months, and it's a great, great place for people to kind of get those calculations and, and understand it a little better. 
Yeah, that's a good point. All those numbers are in there, so we'll we'll put a link to that one, and you can you can go in there, and if you want to, you can work through your own, uh, you know, a daily diet, or your daily nutrition, and, and see what what you are getting. Yeah. Alrighty. So, um, speaking of protein, Kristen Balmer asked. Um, she said, "I'm not sure what's the best time to eat my protein, before or after my runs, or both." Um, this one is also one I've I've seen before. You know, a lot of these questions tend to tend to be the same. Uh, people, and it's good. I mean, there it, it means it's an important question. Um, Doug, do you have any any thoughts on this before I go into what my kind of standard answer is? Yeah, you know. Um Mostly just that that protein, you know, takes a lot to break down, uh, and um, so eating it right before a run is generally not very helpful, uh, in my experience. Um, and uh, so, kind of getting that within 48 hours before the run, or or um, kind of rebuilding afterwards through a protein shake or you know something like that, is is typically the way the direction I like to go. Yeah, and I mean that's what I tell people is is that. I think it's more important after the run, um, kind of for the same reason you said, that you just don't want any extra stuff in your body, any extra digestion going on during your run that, that isn't really helping you a lot. And for the most part, it's carbohydrate um, that's easy to break down and that, that will actually give you immediate you know, energy to, that you can use while you're running. So you'll see a lot of um, pre and during workout guidelines will say something like a Three to one or four to one, um, some go as high as five to one, carbohydrate to protein ratio, and a lot of sports drinks have that, um, you know, built into them automatically. So, yeah, the point is that that you need very little protein. It may be that some some small amount of protein is beneficial for you before a run or during it, uh, but for the most part, it's carbohydrate. So, I tend to focus on carbohydrates before and during, and uh, protein afterwards. Immediately afterwards, I just try to quickly replenish carbohydrates. And then within an hour or two, try to eat the, the bigger protein meal. Um, that's still not going to be a huge protein meal like a like you know a traditional like bodybuilder type would eat, but but just you know a regular meal that that has um, beans or lentils in it or tofu, tempeh, I mean any of any of the protein sources that you like, get them in that post-run meal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So right. for the the next question, let's see, we have. Uh, Lauren Rock Juarez from San Diego, California, and she asks, uh, what are some good pre-run snacks if you are an early AM runner with little time in between waking up and starting your run? All right. Um, well, so much of that depends on what you like eating. Like, I always recommend a smoothie. I mean, that's just something that, that works well for me. I digest it well. It doesn't give me trouble if I run half an hour later like in my stomach, um, and some people do have that trouble. So a lot of it depends on what you like and what um, what seems good to you. Some also depends on what kind of run you're doing. Like if you're just if you're waking up and then you're getting out the door in 10 minutes and doing a, I don't know, 30 or 40 minute tempo run, a quick hill workout type thing, in that case you can probably get by, just eat a couple dates, um, maybe maybe some sports drink or something like that, um, or any other kind of fruit that, that would get into your bloodstream pretty quickly. If it's if you're talking about uh, I don't know 15 or 20 mile run, then it's generally something you want to get up a little bit earlier for because you want to eat stuff that that isn't quite so quick digesting. Like that's when I will eat the starchier food, like um, a bagel or something like that, in addition to um, a smoothie and some fruit. So I'll eat as much as I can before a longer run like that. 
Doug, how do you how do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, my experience has been been very similar. So, well, I can't really um, handle smoothies before a run, so I typically avoid those. Um, they slosh around in my stomach and give me some some issues. Um, but uh, if I'm going out for just you know thirty minutes or uh, something, a lot of these daily runs I've been doing have been before work. So um, I usually eat about half a banana, you know, nothing much, just to kind of uh, get something in my stomach and and. And take off. Uh, some dates are great. I, I love having dates as well. Um, yeah. For the longer stuff, you know, I, I really like toast. Um, uh, just toast or a bagel. I'll sometimes put some peanut butter on there if I'm going out for for a few hours or um, something like that. Um, and you know, I guess peanut butter is that protein, but uh, it just kind of fills me up a little bit more. So what I'm more where, what I'm more focused about um, pre-run is just making sure that my stomach stays calm and uh, doesn't get too hungry because then I start thinking about food and have trouble running. So yeah, yeah, I <laughs> so, the same thing. yeah. So just kind of filling up and uh, something easy on the stomach, easy to digest. Yeah. So I mean, just to give you some specifics, Lauren. Um, you know, Doug mentioned peanut butter on a bagel, and I I do very similar. A lot of times I'll do almond butter on a bagel, and I might even like you know, put a tiny bit of maple syrup on it or in it. Um, just, I don't know, add some sugars and I'm, I'm totally fine with that before a run. Um, so, I mean, there, there's one I have used to do a lot of, I would mix, make like half a glass of orange juice and, and a small scoop of protein powder and just mix it up with an immersion blender or even a spoon. And that would, that would be good for a, if it was a short, like an hour long run or something like that. Um, sometimes if it's, if you don't care about like sweet breakfast food, uh, hummus in a pita works great for me. Sometimes I eat that one like in the car on the way to my to the trail or something like that. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, fruits are very easy. Obviously, you don't need to make you don't need no preparation goes into that. Uh, smoothies, as we mentioned, I think you know that's about it that I can think of that I commonly eat before runs. Yeah, and speaking of this topic, check out um, there's a blog called PreDawnRunner.com. All one word, no spaces, no dashes or anything. PreDawnRunner. Um, and he's a friend of mine, Greg Strosaker, and he's a really good runner, a sub-three marathoner, and uh, he, he does all his runs. He gets up at like three and four in the morning and does all his long runs basically before the sun comes up. But he has a lot of good good strategies for um, just things to, you know, how, how to get yourself out the door really quickly and how to do it most efficiently so that so that when you wake up, you don't feel like uh, you have to do a whole lot before you start running. Just kind of, you know, get yourself totally ready and, and so that you can get out of bed do what you need to do really quickly and then get out there. So maybe he'll have some good nutrition stuff there. All right. Um, next question. Terry Friedman counts uh, from Atlanta, and she says, I'm trying to train for my first marathon in November. I try to count calories. As a petite woman, my daily calorie count is fairly low. But when I run and burn 1,000 or more calories, do I need to eat an additional 1,000 that day? Uh, any other marathon nutrition help would be great. I'm not a really a big fan of counting calories. I'm not a big fan of, um, like, if your goal is to run a marathon, I generally would advise you not to worry about trying to also lose weight or even trying to maintain weight. I mean, I just think I mean, you want to main, uh, maintain weight on the positive side. Like, don't, you know, don't, don't lose too much weight while you're training for a marathon. Um, I don't think it's a good idea to say, well, I'm trying to run my first marathon, and I also want to lose 15 pounds in the process. I mean, they, they're they're kind of counterproductive to try to do both at the same time. You may find that that it's easy and that with the extra calorie burning, you, you lose more weight than ever. 
but but some people gain weight when they start training. So, you know, that's that's kind of my preface to this answer. Um, but basically, if you do, if you are trying, let's say your goal was to maintain your weight roughly, then yes, when you when you burn a thousand calories running, you need to you need to get those calories back somehow. So, yes, you should be eating more. But I don't think you should really focus on trying to eat those extra thousand calories that day. Um, I just think as you're running, as your miles increase, um, you, your hunger should increase sort of naturally with it. And if it doesn't, you know, maybe make a conscious effort to just put a little bit more food in your system. But it doesn't really need to be the day of your run. I mean, yes, certainly you'll eat a little larger pre-run meal, and you'll probably eat more during your run, and you'll probably be hungry every few hours after your run. So it's kind of natural that you'll eat a lot more calories. But it's not that, like, because you lost 1,000 calories that day, you need to eat those exact 1,000 that same day or else, you know, you will have lost the chance. Uh, it's just about eating eating more as your, as your kind of output increases. Doug, would you agree with that or do you have anything? Yeah, no, 100%. Um, for, I, my, in my experience, the more I train, the more I want to eat. And um, that's not because I'm counting calories or anything like that, but just because I'm hungry. Um, and... Uh, you know, so I'm naturally eating more and replacing a lot of those calories that um, that I burned through the run. And um, you know, I think, like you said, it just kind of come nat- comes naturally, and just listen to your body and what it's craving and, and what it needs. Um, and yeah, and then you should be adding those calories back on. So the next, you know, while we're just on this topic, all these questions have been mostly about food, uh, not not so much about running itself. And we will get into more running specific stuff. But while we're still talking about food and putting things into your body, um, we need to hit hydration, which no one actually asked about. So um, we just figured we'd talk about it. I mean, how much water, Doug, you know, do you think you should be drinking or carrying with you? And, and you know, what do you need to make sure that you're that you're taking in during a long run? So if if I'm just going out for an hour, an hour and a half, then um, then I typically won't carry water with me. Um, I do think that if you're out there for anything longer than that, then you do probably need to carry some water. Um, but if you're just going out for an hour and you and you know you're going to be thirsty, if it's a really hot day, um, you know maybe plan to have a water fountain somewhere along the run where you can stop and just get a a little sip of water. But um, you're not losing so much water that you really need to be replacing it. Um, if you're going out for longer than that, um, I know that a lot of people recommend 16 ounces of water per hour and 15 minutes of exercise. Um, and for me, that seems like a lot of water, um, but I know that a lot of people need that and uh, recommend that. So, you know, that's kind of a good model to go off of. Um, I definitely like to carry water if I'm going out for longer than an hour and a half. And um, I typically use one of the handhelds. Some people like the the vests. Other people like the, uh, the little belts. Um, the belts kind of don't work well with me, so no, I, I hate those belts. <laughs> they're just awful. They say that they don't bounce around, but they always bounce around. <laughs> yeah, and they ride up and everything terrible. So, but, so, so I like I like the handhelds. They they work pretty well for me. Um, and I just drink to thirst. If I'm thirsty, I'll have a sip. Um, if I'm not, then then I usually don't don't drink uh, unless I'm going out for you know a 30 mile training round for an ultra or something like that. And I know I need to be kind of high, staying on top of my hydration. Then uh, then I'll focus on that a little bit. But you know, listening to your body, drinking the thirst, I think is a really good rule. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think it's good to to have a guideline in mind. Like the one I've heard is uh, 
four to six ounces every 20 minutes. So that's it's a good guideline, but these these numbers like this, I mean, it varies tremendously depending on a lot of factors. The most obvious of which, to me, is the heat and how much you're sweating. Right. Um, so it's you can't really just go by a guideline. It's good to know that, but for the most part, um, I would say you want to make sure you're drinking somewhere in that range. I mean, if you if you ran two hours and didn't drink anything, you know, I would say that's not a good idea. Even if you didn't feel like you were thirsty, um, probably you should you should make an effort to take in something during that time. So the point is, I mean, use the guideline as as exactly that a guideline. But for the most part, you kind of you'll need you'll know when you're thirsty and when you need to drink water. Um, on all but the longest runs, as you mentioned, then then it's kind of I think more about uh, you know being diligent, and making sure that you you actually do take in water according to a certain schedule if you need to. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that for sure. So, what do you think, Matt, about um, using energy drinks versus water? I mean, I think energy drinks are great as long as you can get one that that you are happy with uh, the nutrition of it and you know where the stuff comes from and what it's made with. Um, I personally don't like carrying stuff at all, so I would. Much rather, if I'm going to carry something, if, you know, assuming I'm going to be carrying some sort of fluid with me, I'd rather that fluid also have calories in it, um, especially if those calories are precisely designed for, you know, for endurance running. Right. So I'm, I, I love doing that, and, and a lot of marathons, um, my pretty much my only nutrition will be the water that, or the, the Gatorade. I'll, I'll go to every single aid station where they offer Gatorade or sports drink, uh, and drink it. So. I love that rather than rather than trying to carry stuff. But once it becomes um, a longer run, and especially if I don't know a long slow run where you're not really going uh, at too hard a pace, at those times I don't really need that much sugar. I found that my body started to to do better, you know, without having a whole lot of sugar going into it. So sometimes in those cases I will bring a little bit of water with me, and I'll make sure I stop at the car every like five miles or so, and I'll eat. Um, uh, you know, a banana or a, or a pita with hummus, as I mentioned earlier, some of my same favorite foods for running. Um, so, you know, I guess what I said about sports drink applies to when you're going at a at a tough pace, like say a marathon race pace. Right. Um, slower than that, I generally will just do more water and, and a couple, like, fruits and things like that. All right. So that, um, you know, should I think basically covers hydration. Um so now we can kind of shift a little bit and get into the running itself, um, or just you know, sort of the non-food and drink-related topics. Uh, the first of which is, I would say, the most common question is pace. A lot of people, um, like you know, people who who download Marathon Roadmap and people in in Run Your BQ, um, a lot of times they will ask about race pace and and kind of because they'll have often have a goal in mind, and you know whether or not you have a goal is your decision. Or if your goal is just to finish your race, I think that's the best way to do it for your first race. But I know some people have like to have time goals, and that's fine. Um, so, so a lot of people ask, should I be, you know, should I be running my long runs at that time goal pace? Like if that's what I want, want to run, should I be training myself to do that by by actually running 18 or 20 miles at that pace? Um, Doug, what what is your answer to that question? No. Before I do mine, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. I, I think it's important to uh, mix in the tempo runs, and I know that uh, the roadmaps, uh, both half and full marathon roadmaps, um, offer some tempo runs and or suggest tempo runs and um, and some track work and that kind of thing. Um, and I think that's really important to to build up your speed and to get the feel of what your race pace is going to be. 
Um, but you should definitely not be running your long runs and vamping up your mileage um, uh, at race pace. You know, the important thing there is just getting a feel for the mileage, getting a uh, getting your body used to and your legs used to putting in that kind of time and and distance and um, and your race pace uh, just really isn't shouldn't be at the forefront of of, of those long runs. Um, I do like to, uh, towards the end of my training, make sure that I'm getting at least a couple miles in there at race pace. So I'll, if I'm going out for a 20-mile training run, I might do um, 17 at just a slow, uh, easy pace and then kind of throw in some some race pace miles uh, just to see how it feels. And, and um, so I can kind of practice that at, when I'm out there for that long. But um, definitely not running at race pace most of the time. Yeah, I, I mean, I honestly think that that especially for first-time runners, I think that trying to run your long runs too fast, like anything even approaching your race pace, is very likely uh, one of the biggest reasons why people get injured on these runs. I know for me, it was that was one of the things. Like there were several kind of shifts that I made as I learned how to train and learned how to do it in a way that I didn't get hurt. But that was one of the major ones was was learning that I should not be like not just like not just that it's okay to run it at a fast pace or that it's better to run slower but you really should not run those long runs at your race pace especially if it's your first time um if you do it just takes too much out of your body like you don't a race effort like when you run your marathon or half marathon it's it's probably it'll be three or four weeks before your training should really return fully to normal after that kind of effort so if that's true then then to to run a 20 miler or in a half marathon case a 10 miler to run one of those at full out race pace, you know that's that's a similar level of effort. Sure, it's a little bit shorter than than your actual race, but mm-hmm. if you're putting out that same effort, you you can't expect then the next week or you know two days later to get back out there and get to your training schedule, and the next week do another long run, and then and then two weeks later do another, and then a few weeks later have your actual marathon. I mean that's that's asking for an injury. So a lot of people advise one to two minutes slower than what you think your race pace will be. And I think that's pretty good range to shoot for. Uh, it's a nice broad range, so you can you can kind of be anywhere you want in there. And honestly, for a first race, I think the slower the better for those long runs. Uh, and it gets you more time out there on the road too, which is which is something of a you know a, a good thing to get used to because that's uh, you know that that time on the road does accumulate, and the more you can adjust your body to it without getting yourself injured, of course, uh, the better. Now that said, though, it's you know when you're trying to run faster and faster. And I would say after you've run one or two marathons without getting injured, um, running those long runs faster, or at least parts of them, as you as you mentioned, Doug, uh, is important and can be really useful. Like when I uh, qualified for Boston, the way that worked was that I I think my I started out running my my long runs at uh, probably about a minute minute slower than my Boston qualifying marathon pace would have been. And as as the mileage increased and as the training program went on gradually got closer and closer to that pace so that I think my very last 20-mile run, of which there were, I think, four 20-mile runs in that program, my very last one was only 15 seconds off the marathon pace. So so instead of a 7.15-mile pace, it was uh, 7.30. Now that's, I mean, had I tried to do those 7.30-mile paces the entire program, I have no doubt I would have gotten hurt. Um, that program kind of progressively worked up the speed of those long runs to get to that point just one time. Uh, right before the race, you know, two or three weeks before. So it's not that you should never think about running your long runs at a faster pace, or you shouldn't think about 
running some some of the miles at your race pace or something like that. But the point is you're not going for you're not trying to rehearse your race um you know except that it's short. You're not trying to do your exact race day speed but on a shorter course. I mean that's not that's not the point of the long run. So so the answer is is definitely no. You're not running your long runs at race pace. Yeah, absolutely. And um and one thing I like to do in, is when I'm building up to a marathon in particular is um run a couple of uh, shorter distance races somewhere uh, in between there, either 10K or maybe half marathon, and still maybe not run at race pace, um, but that will give me an opportunity to do a little bit of racing to add a little speed to um, what would what is still probably shorter than I'm supposed to be doing as a long run that, that weekend, but just to kind of mix it up a little bit. And I think that's a good way to judge where you are and um, and just kind of get your legs moving quickly. Yeah. You know. But like you said, um, for your first, if this is your first marathon, focusing on pace and your finish time is should be kind of towards the back of your mind because really it's all about finishing, all about finishing uh, healthy and strong and um, and enjoying yeah. the enjoying the run. And and if this is your first uh, half or full marathon, um, you know just starting out slow and pacing yourself at the beginning of the race is is crucial. Just you can focus, you can have that set goal. Um, and know your splits and know your mile times, but you know definitely be conservative for the first several miles and um, kind of save that energy for the last because it's going to be hard the last several miles and uh, and you're going to need all the all the energy you have. Yeah, I mean it's it's so there's the difference between between going out too fast and then having to kind of walk run or just really struggle through those last those last you know the last half of the race. That's such a different day than than going out too easy and and having lots of extra energy during the second half when you can really go fast and pass a ton of people i mean in theory those might give you the same time those those you know two strategies but but the second one is such a better experience and so much more fun so um and and a lot less risky too there's no risk of less risk of a total breakdown that way whereas if you go out too fast there is some risk of that Absolutely, and and that's so hard to do when you're in the excitement yeah. of the day, and uh, yeah. and when you, everyone's going out too fast, you know you can line up in the in the crowd that puts you at your your final uh, goal time, but everyone's going to take out too hard, and it's so hard to to slow down and pace yourself. Um, but it is definitely worth it in the end. Having having done both strategies and blown up at the end and barely been able to finish, um, and Finished very strong. I know that finishing strong is a much uh, more enjoyable experience. Yeah, absolutely. So, kind of to uh, wrap up this uh, ramping up your mileage um, theme here, uh, we definitely get questions about how to occupy the mind and prepare mentally for being out on the road for uh, for that long of a time. So, you know, if you're not used to running 60 miles and knowing that it's going to take you two and a half, three plus hours, um, you know, it could be a big adjustment. So so what kind of tips, Matt, do you have for uh, preparing mentally and, and kind of staying, you know, being able to get through the, the long run mentally? Yeah, this is a great question uh, because, honestly, for me, even after being a runner now for, I don't know, 10 or 12 years, um, I would say boredom and, and just kind of the mental challenge is, is the hardest part. Um, and, and that's the thing, like when I get in slumps and I'm not, just not getting out there to, to do long runs. The reason I think is is not because I don't want to deal with the physical difficulty of of running for three hours. It's it's the head thing. It's it's hard to just get out there and and just.
be you know be alone or or just with one person or whatever just doing something um you know for 3 hours and not having a lot of distractions so yeah i mean the obvious solution is is have some music or uh a good podcast for example um <laughs> So I mean that kind of stuff works. Some people do do really well with the music. Some prefer talk. Uh, I've always kind of liked for longer runs. I've liked listening to talk, like like motivational things. I always say I'm a big Tony Robbins nerd, but I uh I don't know. I always like listening to to that sort of thing, like those um you know personal development type tapes, while or CDs or MP3s nowadays. The kids call them, I guess. Um, you know, listening to that because I don't know. I can't I can't listen to a song that's gonna get me all amped up and like some some techno song and I'll like get my heart pounding and then and then two minutes later realize that the song is over and now I, I still have uh like two and a half hours of running. So I I find that works better for me, just kind of more relaxing talk stuff. But recently I've I've gotten into not listening to anything at all and just kind of being present in the moment and trying different sort of meditation techniques like paying attention to your breath and seeing seeing how long you can focus on just your breathing without letting your mind wander and it's probably easier to try that at home first um otherwise because when you first do it it's you know it's you might make it five or ten seconds and then your mind wanders so that's not that useful for running if you've never tried it before um man you know so many different things go into this like for me if i have a big long run and uh actually doug i mentioned this too when you were when you were talking about your first 50 miler and i told you that that i really enjoyed the north face course um, the reason was because after 20 miles or so, you've, you've pretty much seen the entire course um, in the way that you know the, the course is set up for those who haven't haven't seen it. Um, you know, it's it's like a you run out, then you run a certain loop three times, and then you run back. But for me, having having seen all that after 20 miles made it so much easier to handle the next 30, just knowing that I'd be covering ground that that I had for the most part already seen. So I'll do a similar thing. Like if I have a 20 mile run. Um, for me, it's much easier to to plan a six and a half mile loop that starts and ends at my house or at a parking lot where my car is, and it just feels much more comfortable for me to have it broken up into those loops. And I know that at, that at, at each six and a half miles, I'll take a little break for you know maybe maybe just be a minute, but um but eat, sit down if I want, take a drink, uh and then and then go out again, and it just breaks it up and it feels like three relatively small tasks instead of one very difficult one. So I mean I would say those are my kind of best tips for that. This honestly this is something that's still that I still struggle with a lot. I, I have definitely not mastered um you know the mental game of of doing long runs. But uh, th- those are the things that I use. So how about you Doug? I I imagine you do better than I do with the mental stuff. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. I don't <laughs> Um yeah, no I mean I think that like you said it's something that probably every runner no matter what level uh struggles with, you know, from time to time. And um I like to just get lost in my thoughts. I like to uh, kind of drown out everything that's going on and um, and just get lost in my thoughts. I can run an hour, an hour and a half, and not even realize that I've been running an hour, an hour and a half. Um, and and that's that's really good for me. It's important for me um, both in the long run and with processing, you know, life stuff. So um, and I, th- I think if you're able to do that, if, like uh, Matt said, focus on your breaths, focus on things that you're not uh, – that aren't about running so not maybe not about hydrating and, and that kind of thing but just kind of getting lost um, is really helpful for me uh, another thing is uh, running with somebody you know you uh, you didn't mention this Matt and um, 
I don't know how often you run with, with people or not, but um, if you have a running buddy that even if you only run for half of the long run with, so you start out, if you're going out for 10, 12 miles and you only run half that with your with the buddy, um, that can be a great way, a great distraction, a great way to, um, to quickly burn through the miles um, uh, without kind of getting too too bummed out that you have so much further to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, so that's kind of big for me. And I also, I like you, I like to um, kind of split it up into smaller sections. What I like to do is just park my car in the middle and run, you know, if it's, if I'm running 15 miles, I'll, you know, I'll run seven miles one direction, turn around, come back to my car, grab some more water or, or goose or something like that, and then run seven miles in the next direction and then come back. So I kind of split it in half, park in the middle, and kind of focus on uh, – it's, it's good for me to break it up and uh, know that – know where the quarter marks and the half marks are and, and kind of be able to break it into smaller clumps instead of, uh, you know, 20 miles is really daunting – but five miles isn't as much. So, but that would have given that would have been a twenty-eight mile run, right? Seven one way, then seven back, and then seven the other way, and then seven back. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess it would. Right, <laughs> you so, didn't do that. Well, you're the math guy, Matt. So, yeah, don't, don't Just do minor, that. yeah, minor detail that that the run doubled in length. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, and I do that all the time. Like I've done that very often on a. Uh, there used to be like a straight flat trail that I used to do my long runs on, and I did exactly that strategy. We parked in the middle and passed my car several times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but that, definitely count your miles beforehand. And, yeah. Yes, always good. All right, um, so that's kind of it. I mean, certainly we could talk much, much longer about, about um, you know, running the, the final few weeks of a marathon training program, or the, you know, maybe the, the mid-second half of it. Um. But we've gone on pretty long already, so um, we won't do that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like that's that's kind of it. Uh, I hope this. I hope people have enjoyed this, and uh, we are we're very open to feedback about how you think we can do this differently. It probably won't always be um, focused just on reader questions. We'll probably maybe sometimes have have prepared you know a, a topic, and then we'll just work in some questions at the end of it. But uh, really, whatever whatever is going to make it most enjoyable for for you guys. Um, whether you're using this you know, as entertainment to listen to on, on runs, as I imagine a lot of people will, uh, and I, I would recommend that, or whether it's just something that you that you put on uh, whatever at work or um, just listen to to get some to get some information. So um, we will wrap it up there, and uh, you know look look on Facebook for the next uh, the next topic. You know probably within a week or two we'll we'll put out what we expect uh, that that it's going to be about, and we'll, we'll ask for your for your questions or any sort of tips you have about it, and then we will try to work your contribution into the next show. Um, Doug, anything else you want to add before we wrap this one up? No, I guess that's about it. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, definitely don't be shy to call in, use that number. I think that will kind of really be a neat way for people to engage a little bit more in the um, in the podcast. All right, and I will put in a quick advertisement, um, which I mentioned on the blog, and that's that um, No Meat Athlete will be at the D.C. Veg Fest this year for anybody in the Washington, D.C. area. That is September 22nd, um, I believe. You might want to verify that, but I'm pretty sure it is. Yep. Um, I will be there. Doug, will you be there also? I know you're D.C. guy. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there with you, so um, you'll Good. get a chance to meet both of us. Yeah, and Rich Roll will be there, who's a, who's a big-time vegan ultra-endurance triathlete. Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting him, and you know, I'm sure his, his talk will absolutely be 
worth coming out to. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, it's always fun. Good food, lots of cool stuff there. And uh, it's much bigger this year, too. They moved to a new to a new spot. So should be a lot of fun, and I hope to see people there. Yeah. All right, well, that'll do it. Um, we will see you guys in our next one, which should be in about, about a month or so. All right, thanks. All right, bye, guys. Thank you.